0: Hello and welcome to The Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo
1: and Dr. Stephen Franson. Welcome to another episode of The Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Franson.
0: And I'm Dr. Pete Camiolo.
1: Hey, uh, you have found us right here in part two of a two-part series on practice models. Man, if you missed the first one, don't forget to go back and check it out. Uh, The order doesn't matter, but just uh, make sure you listen in on that first episode. We talked about the difference between having a ski team and having a football team when it comes to building your own remarkable team. And the pros and cons, the advantages and disadvantages of both of those. So make sure you check that out. Today, we're talking about a different half of that conversation. We're talking about associate doctors. We're talking about practice models from the perspective of like, how do the patients work? How do the patients flow? How do you deliver care? And uh, really, this conversation, is this is a prickly one, right? This is a tough one. And I'm certainly going to share some of my uh, tales of woe <laughs> from my experience, having done this all three ways that we're going to describe today, right? So, uh, and then help you guys land on a, on a way that's uh, most efficient, most effective, and a win-win-win. It's a win for you. It's a win for the associate doctor. It's a win for the practice, win for the patients, win for everybody, right? So uh, today we're going to be talking about the difference between running a solid white line practice and a broken white line practice. Dr. Pete, I love this conversation, Um, it's the law of propinquity in effect. I know that you love that word, right? So this is all about like setting up a system, setting up a process that, um, it's either, um, going to pay you back a million times, or it's going to be death by a thousand cuts if you don't address it right, man, models, specifically practice models are critical when it comes to creating a remarkable practice.
0: And here's the deal. A couple things. Uh, number one, there's different ways and they all can be Right. So that's going to be really liberating to all of you. And Dr. Stephen, as you shared, you've done it a few different ways and we may have our preference, but you can do it a few different ways. So that's the first thing. Second, if you're a doctor who has not yet started the process of bringing on associates, but you love being a part of our podcast and you're moving in that direction one day, good for you. You're going to be set up to have some you know, mindset right about this. And, and you know, for some of us who didn't actually have any Clear guidance on this, and we had to figure it out, you know, the the hard way. Which I think you're going to one way or the other going to be figuring it out with some some level of challenge. But we can minimize the the brain damage and the struggle uh, tremendously just by again all of these 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 practical strategies for how to how to bring on an associate well. But speaking to you, and then if you're right now you have one associate or multiple associates or multiple practices of associates, uh, I think this is going to resonate really well with you because again coming from a place of, you know, experience, I think we can, we can all relate, um, starting a practice from scratch, you know, a lot of it was built on, you know, brute force. I can know for me personally, it was personality driven practice. I mean, like listen to Dr. Steven, you think that guy's not going to attract a bunch of people that want to be his patients. Listen to this podcast. Of course they want to see Dr. Steven, um, you know, but, but there's, there's a way to do this. Well, I think you know, for a lot of you, you know, you've been the, the, the magnet, you know, you've been drawing people into your business from the day one, you launched that thing. You were hitting the road, knocking on doors, handing out business cards, getting on, you know, radio shows, getting on TV, getting in front of churches and businesses and gyms and schools and screening. And I mean, you, you built it on just straight up, just getting out there and making it happen. And so, you know, it's, it's really easy for, for you to have that the model where, you know, you're used to all the people seeing you. but then, then what happens where do you go from there, Dr. Stevens? So you've built a practice, 200 a week, 300, whatever it is. And now you start thinking about bringing on associates. All you know is everybody sees you. And so there's, there's a few different schools of thought out there. Um, there's some really harmful uh, kind of things that are out there that can really damage the relationship between the associate doctor and a um, let's just call him the, the CEO, the owner. Um, And then there's ways to do this incredibly well, where it's just amazing and everybody wins. We want to talk about creating a win, 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 win conversation. And this is really where we want this to land Doc.
1: That's right. I remember my first, you know, foray into practice. And honestly, we had absolutely no guidance when it came to this. Frankly, I had some great coaching early on, which all of it was about how to build and build and build a busy practice. Right. So, you know, my passion is about teaching how to go from, you know, having a busy practice to having a remarkable practice, right? And how to go from having a remarkable practice to a remarkable business, right? So, and there is a difference. The busy, 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 (laughs) there's plenty of people that teach you how to do that, right? And I had, you know, I had a great experience with that and I would never trade it because it just taught me how to do that, right? But here's the thing, I was good at that. And Dr. Pete, I know you were also, I was good at creating busy, Uh, and uh, you know, truth be told, and I'll be very straightforward with this because I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how I screwed it up. Um, I, you know, I had a practice where there were multiple doctors. It's my wife, Camilla and I were in there initially together. Um, and we were building, building, building busy practices. And my practice was probably a two to one over the size of her practice. I was just moving faster and, you know, we just had a different practice style um, she's a phenomenal chiropractor, an awesome clinician and a spectacular person. So she was having no issues building her practice, but I was just moving faster. Right. So we built a two to one, maybe at one point three to one. And then finally, you know, I had my first associate doctor, which was really premature. It was my sister-in-law. She graduated school and said, Hey, I want to come and work for you guys. I'm like, Okay, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, but how bad can I screw this up? It's my sister-in-law, right? And it was my first sister-in-law to come and work for me. Both of my sister-in-laws have come to work for me. Thankfully, neither one of my brother-in-laws came to work for me at this time because I didn't know what I was doing, right? So now my first sister-in-law shows up. Now there's myself and the two doctors, right? So what I went through for the next four or five years, as we went from 300 a week to 500 a week to 700 a week to 900 a week, what have you, I started to build out this system where I had multiple associate doctors and multiple interns, but man, oh man, it was the Stephen Franson show. You know, I made the mistake of having this model where I was attracting these people in and frankly, you know, it became prideful and ego driven. And I was just like building this awesome practice, but man, I was bench pressing that place every week and it was extraordinary I mean, even at a thousand a week, I was seeing 750 of those and my associates would split like 125 each or, you know, it, would, it, was, it was lopsided, right, at, at, at best. I mean, Pete, there was a period of time there where my, the patients would come in to see, you know, to come in to get adjusted. And they knew that if, you know, my area was backed up, my, my hot seats were full, my waiting area was backed up, they would look over and they would ask my front desk, who's Dr. Shortline today? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to call the associate who was in the uh, adjusting bay next to me. It was Dr. Shortline, right? So, you know, that's how bad it got. It got so lopsided. And, you know, there was a season there where I recognized I have just painted myself into a corner here. And this is crazy. And when you're, you know, young and dumb and just full of energy and ready to rock and roll, just like just keep putting more on my back. I'm ready to rock. But as I started getting to the point where I started having children and Camille pulled back out of the office and I was stuck in the office late at night and I had to be the guy in there doing everything, I recognized the truth and the harsh truth was that I had built a job. I didn't build a business, right? And that's really the spirit and the essence of this, of this entire podcast and really the remarkable practice itself. So we knew that we were going we to need to spend the next decade unraveling that bird's nest and rebuilding you know, what eventually became the original remarkable practice. That's my story of pain. That's going to be the background for how do we change our model from what we'll call the solid white line to the broken white line.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important that, you know, Dr. Stephen, we can just be brutally honest and have a conversation about this. I think our profession, it, it, it's, it, it's easy to, to get into that mindset, to that model where you know, you're working really hard to become a master clinician. You know, it's not easy to develop that, you know, the, the ability to really master clinical care and also mastering, you know, attraction and mastering conversion. I mean, these are skill sets that, that we must develop if you're going to be a business owner. And so I think it's also the sensitivity. Like we always speak about, there's four seasons in your career. Each season serves a purpose. So when you're in the, the let's call it launch and build season, it's really about developing mastery. It's mastering clinical care. It's mastering, you know, attraction, mastering, t- developing your team and building your team, mastering, you know, driving the, getting the outcomes for your patients, mastering retention. You're really working on communication. You, right. you yourself, yeah. you know, and then, but then when you move into the stage of going into scale, you have to have an identity shift where it's no longer the Dr. Francis or Dr. Pete show that identity shift has to happen. You know, who is the casualty as a result of you, not you are, and they are. Everybody loses. Everybody loses. And that's, that's the pain point for me. As I look back, I'm like, God, you are just such a, you annoyed what you were doing. And, you know, you were suffering that whole time. You didn't even have to be. And then the other people, they didn't really, they, they were suffering because of it. So it's very painful to get this wrong, Doc, Stephen. And, you know, we're looking back and reflecting and, and, you know, we can, you know, smile and laugh about it now and it's good. But in those moments, oh my God, you're just like, what the heck is going on here? why, why, you know, this is all on me. What are you, what are these people doing here? Like I'm still carrying like 750 of a thousand, what the heck is going on? Yeah. You know, and it really is not wise. And so again, I don't know where you're finding yourself on this, but obviously if you've been listening to this uh, podcast, you've heard us share our stories, but Yes, everything that we're sharing now in the Remarkable CEO podcast, what we teach in our the Remarkable CEO program, it, it it came from the experience of doing it wrong, and then having the revelation of what it was like to what it meant to do it right, and then doing it right requires mastery too. So That's just right. like you developed mastery as a builder, you got to develop mastery as a scaler. That identity shift and behavioral shift that comes with scaling and scaling well, creating durability, scalability, and durability, and then transferability. That takes, like you said, the next decade. So, yeah. you know, we know this is a process that takes time. So, Dr. Stephen, let's talk about the, the... So, we talked about how you've got the benefits and the trade-offs. Yep. So, let's talk about the benefits and the trade-offs then, um, you know, of both, you know, the, the, the solid line versus the broken line.
1: All right. So, first, let's define it. So, yep. you know, the... You know, uh, we're car guys. Dr. Pete and I both, you know, not only do we love sports, we love we love cars. <laughs> and so uh, you hear us refer to cars a lot, right? So you hear us talk about the different avatars of chiropractors, race cars versus pickup trucks versus SUVs versus minivans. We also talk about roadways, right? So when you picture like a roadway, picture like a highway or a secondary highway, right? So we all know, like at least here in North America, like you've got solid white lines, you've got so, you've got double white lines, you've got double yellow lines, right? So you you know if you're if you're looking at a a road and you see a double yellow line, you know you do not cross those lanes because one lane is headed north and one's headed south. If you have a solid white line, you've got both lanes headed in the same direction, but you don't cross over the lanes. Whereas if you have a broken white line, you can change lanes, right? You can go back and forth. So these are these are the metaphors that we use or illustrations of these different models. So you've probably already figured it out as I give away the punchline here. The solid white line is, You stay in your lane and the doctor stays in their lane and the patients follow you in that lane, right? So it's like you've got Dr. Stevens' patients, you've got Dr. Pete's patients, right? And they're in a solid white line environment, right? So it's like, yes, of course, there's overflow and limited coverage. And if I'm out of the office or whatever, we'll cover each other's practice. But we all know there's a difference. It's like those are Dr. Pete's patients and those are Dr. Stevens' patients, right? So that would be the solid white line. And there are advantages and disadvantages to that. We're going to unpack that, right? The broken white line is patients go between the doctors, right? So they're really patients of the clinic. And you might have two, three, five doctors, whatever. The patients go between doctors. So we're going to talk about the pros and cons of those as well, right? So let's just hit to it. So when when we're talking about the solid white line, the advantages that we experienced and and I enjoyed early on the 10 years, the advantages were there was a really intimate connection with those patients, right? You were there one doctor, you stay connected with them. So making that empathetic connection, that person-to-person relationship um, was awesome, right? So, and also the accountability factor of like making sure that they were compliant, that they followed their recommendations of care. They didn't miss appointments. If they did, they made them up. Um, They were following their recommendations. You knew what you taught them, right? You know what they've heard so far, right? So you understand if they've been to workshop yet or not. You understand if their families have been checked up yet or not. You understand their case history, what they do, what they love, what their goals are, right? So you understand because you're the only doctor taking care of them, right? So this massive advantage there, and I totally understand and appreciate that, and lived there for a decade, right? Um, The disadvantages are massive limited capacity, right? So now you've compromised scalability, right? So, cause you're gonna run out of time, right? You're trading time for money, so to speak. You Your, your schedule is gonna fill up, right? So you're also just absolutely annihilating durability, right? So the fact of the matter is you have to be the one that's there adjusting them Uh, and if you're not there, they're not there getting adjusted. You take a week off, they take a week off, right? So you go on vacation, they don't come in the office, right? Um, God forbid you ever have, you lose an associate doctor, then that solid white line or they're going to follow that doctor. He moves down the street or she moves down the street and opens the clinic. They go that way, right? So there's all sorts of real drawbacks there. The big ones are on capacity and let's get philosophical for a second. it It's got to be about the adjustment, not the adjuster. Yeah. It has to be about the chiropractic, not the chiropractor. And it's really, really easy to, it's a slippery slope to develop this personality based practice, this personality driven practice versus a principle driven practice where people understand why they're getting adjusted, what they're there for, why they should be bringing their family and telling their friends about, it, et cetera. Yes, I love having a face, a name, a brand, uh, you know, a personality that's driving a practice. But ultimately, what's so critical is the patients have to understand why they're there and why they're getting adjusted.
0: Yeah, I mean, Doc, you know, you're you're hitting. It. I'm so glad you went to the philosophical side of things because we, you know, we talk about capacity blocks. We did an awesome series on the uh, crazy eight, eight capacity blocks. And the question we asked was not, "Is there a capacity block in on each one of these eight? It was, "Where is there a capacity block?" And we know one of the big uh, philosophical block is is a capacity block, and there is a philosophical block when it comes to the associate doctor relationship, oftentimes with our, you know, practices. And so I'm so I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's something we always have to look through the lens of, you know, the eight capacity blocks, and philosophical one is always one that has to be in the conversation. And so you just broke it down. You talked about the advantages of the solid white line, you know, and again the attractiveness of that, Doctor of having that intimate connection and the accountability, the compliance, the, you know, engagement, you know, the, the involvement of the family, understanding and familiarity with the case history and goals. That's beautiful. But here's the thing. What I know is that we can create that same visibility now so that in a broken white line practice, you have that same. I remember for me and I'm looking forward to you jumping into this, but I remember when we started, I started adding in more doctors to the adjusting role in the practice. And that's when I created um, what I called the patient report card, which was essentially using my EHR. I used that the, 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 on the computer where when the patient would check in, I had a specific part side of, the, of that screen where I would put in all the information that you just described. You know, what their start date was, what their chief complaints are, what their goals were, immediate short-term, long-term, had their, their family members been checked, have they been to the dinner with the doctor yet, have they been to the results faster workshop, and when it, whenever they did something, I didn't have to necessarily put it all in, but team members were, they were accountable for making sure everybody's chart was updated with what I called the report card data. This, so this had nothing to do with subjective, a soap note. This yeah. wasn't a soap note. This was, yeah.
1: this, this was what matters. This person is in this clinic. Yeah, I mean, this, that, this is their journey right here. Because
0: for me, as I stepped more and more into the CEO role and, and I reduced my amount of time as a practitioner, what became very apparent to me was, oh, shoot. One of the things I prided myself on was I knew my people yeah. so well. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't want to be, dude, I don't like being blindsided. I don't want to go into any moment and not know what the heck's going on. Yeah. So we had to have all of the intangibles, like those, those non-verbal communications and those written communications done and so accessible and so systematized and organized so that we can move at the pace. We are seeing a couple hundred people a day. It's like, we didn't have time to, oh, do you have a time to sit and meet with me and talk to me about this patient? I mean, huddle is, has a purpose, but you can't go through every single one of them and huddle. So the reality was, is we had to have all these mechanisms and systems in place, Dr. Stephen. Right. So I want to tell you, as you're listening to this right now, because Dr. Stephen I know you're about to go through some things, it can be done. And if you're doing it one way and you want to transfer over to doing it another way, which is the, the, the model of the, the broken white line, which is infinitely scalable, I'll tell you, it can be done well. There's a sensitivity you have to have, and it's going to take a, a short period of time to do this transition. But if you do it right, endorsing the other practitioners, yeah. there's just a way to do this taste, you know, tastefully and respectfully and, and have it go extremely smoothly without having to see any dip in the practice. That transition can go incredibly well because I know I actively had to do it I think you're going to tell a story or two about how you had to walk. Yeah. Through.
1: I'm glad you went there. The endorsement piece of it. Right. So, because I made the mistake of making sure everybody understood that these were all the associates and interns that were here to learn from me, right. To study with me, which was again, ego. Right. So as I was validating myself as an expert, I was indirectly, you know, they were, I was depreciating the value of these associates. Right. Of course. Right. So it was like, Oh, well I want to see the man. Right. So it's like, That is just a terrible approach to this, right? So ultimately, I just kept painting myself deeper and deeper into a corner, right? You have to edify and elevate all the chiropractors, right? So listen, your people are already giving you all the credit, right? So it's like, get on the other side of that. I needed to know that. I needed to learn that. Get on the other side of that thing. And it's like, the more you elevate and edify the rest of the people on your team, everybody's already giving you credit. So uh, nobody ever told me that, man. I'm telling you that. I hope that resonates with you. It's like, it's about elevating your team. It's about elevating these doctors to be able to say something along the lines of, listen, we handpicked these doctors in this team. We have a hundred applicants and people want to come here and work in this awesome environment. I take the cream of the crop, the best of the best. And to tell people, listen, Pete, when I'm hiring an, uh, an associate doctor working in this office, I'm hiring my doctor. Who do you think adjusts me? <laughs> I used to say, man, you, oh, you think Camilla adjusts me? I'm like, come on, we got two little kids at home. You know that I'm not getting adjusted. I was <laughs> so like, I get adjusted right here. Whenever I hire one of these associate doctors, I'm hiring my doctor. And trust me, I think I'm more of a chiropractic snob than you are. So if they're good enough to adjust me, don't you think they're good enough to adjust you? Like constantly be edifying um, your, your doctors. And, and that's really a step you can't skip. This can't just be a tactical process-driven transition, right? So when we go from solid... Mm-hmm white line to broken white line, this has to be an intentional cultural transition, right? So we've got to broaden and open it up so people see the advantage of having a team of experts taking care of them. You get a built-in second and third opinion, no extra charge, right? So another set of hands and eyes and experience that are checking you, we're like, we are a team of doctors taking care of you, right? So people love that. We built huge value around it, right? So going from that solid white line to broken white line meant that they would see all of the doctors, right? So that created better scale for sure, better durability for sure. But the drawback I experienced was we lost that connection, which means we lost that intimate relationships, which means we lost a lot of the compliance and we lost a lot of the accountability around that, right? So we prided ourselves on driving great outcomes because we had great Compliance based on real clear expectations and agreements and accountability. Right. So, as that started to unravel, as we lost that really intimate connection, we recognized, ooh, that's not good. We watched the retention drop. We watched the referrals drop. We watched the clinical results drop. Right. So, I'm like, oh man, what have I done? And we looked at it and we said, we need to reconcile that. So, a few of the tactics that we used to reconcile that, one of the most powerful ones was assigning the primary chiropractor and making sure that everybody knew that they had a primary chiropractor. Now that you're attached to one doctor who's really your contact point at the practice, even though you're gonna be seen by a team of doctors, this is the doctor that gave you your report of findings, gave you your recommendations for care, got the commitment from you, they're going to adjust you. If you're at three times a week, you're going to see them once, at least once. If you're at twice a week, you're going to see them at least once. If you see them at once a week, chances are you're going to see them that once. It's not rigid, but it's, that's how the rhythm goes. You are going to do the progress exam, progress reports with the doctor, with that doctor, your primary care provider. You are going to do your re-exam, re-report, re That doctor is charged with making sure that you are following recommendations that you are compliant to your care plan, that you make up any missed appointments, that you attend the workshop, that your family gets checked up. I think you guys are picking up what I'm putting down. You own that patient and you that you are accountable to that patient's journey. They are the hero, you are the sherpa, you are the primary care provider.
0: I get fired up, doc, talking about this and I, and I hope that, you know, this conversation is energizing all of you Doc. even you've just said so much just brilliance and gold with with all of us and I think the big takeaway that I, that I have from even this conversation today is that if you're the CEO and you're listening to this, and I know we have remarkable associate doctors who listen to this podcast, I know we have remarkable team members, and this is what I want to leave you with here today from this episode is this, that the number one thing that we do as CEOs or any other player on the team is we always elevate and endorse all the other players on our team. And when we create a culture of honor, where we always see the good in, the, in everyone else, and we always speak the good, the positive, and endorse each and every person, that's where you're going to see the, the, the blessing and the growth that you've been hoping for, wanting for. And, and you're also going to see the production of every single player on your team. So as we walk through your practice as you analyze and assess where we are right now as far as how our practice is functioning, we we're just completing a two-part series that we on on your practice model. And I'll tell you one thing: if you're going to model anything in any remarkable practice, you should model endorsing, elevating, and celebrating and recognizing the genius in every single person on your team. And when you do that, you will see your practice regardless of the model will be a remarkable practice. Please stick around for more business insights from this week's bonus interview with our remarkable success partner dedicated to helping you more successfully help more people. Enjoy. All right, CEO, so I am thrilled to be in the studio today with my friend and colleague Dr. Tabor Smith. Dr. Tabor, man, thank you for joining uh, me on our Remarkable CEO podcast today.
2: What's up, everybody? Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Pete. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Absolutely, man. I uh, I just need to let everybody know this. So, so Dr. Tabor, obviously,
0: you know, we we talk about being a success partner, and Dr. Tabor has been a success partner for the last few years with Remarkable Practice, and. Uh, it's just been incredible to have you, you know, as part of our family. We like to talk about that, you know, you're part of our family. So it's, it's really thank a you, privilege and honor for me to be able to, you know, have you here and to do this uh, segment with you here today. And I'm just super pumped to have you. And thank you for all the value that you add to our doctors and all the people that they're able to help because of what you do. So a couple, couple questions for you today uh, that I think is just going to be awesome for for all of you CEOs to, to listen in on. And uh, what Dr. Tabor is doing is really changing the really the, the profession. Uh, ultimately, it's really giving us, I think, a level of, uh, of focus, of direction, um, of relevance when it comes to where we are now, where we're going in the next 100 years as a profession. And I love, Dr. Tabo, your big vision. So I want to hear that from you. So I yeah. uh, want you uh, share a little bit about you know what it is that you do, your vision for what you're doing. And then my first question for you is going to be, you know, specifically as a CEO, what do you help me solve? you know, what are you helping me as a CEO solve with running my business and building a more remarkable business?
2: Sure. Yeah, no, thank you for putting it like that. And thank you for, uh, for letting me share this. So the, I'd say on a global scale, what we do is we help chiropractors grow their wellness practice by help, by helping them implement patient education and strategies that make it absolutely clear to the patient what lifetime spinal care really Is. And I think that's an area, like you said, we've been lacking some in our profession, not, you know, not growing like we should. I mean, I use a lot of dental analogies, but they have the best clarity around lifetime dental care, right? I mean, we know dental hygiene is daily. It's, it's responsibility to do something every day to take care of your teeth. And then it's having that dentist on your health team uh, for a lifetime, being able to go in for checkups. And then what happens? It preserves the health of people's teeth and they've made a tremendous impact in our society. So we want to help chiropractors do that for patients, for the spine and for the nervous system. And specifically speaking to the CEO, you know, what I find is our docs who implement a spinal hygiene program, they see growth in three areas, compliance, compliance, retention, and profit in their offices. And, you know, by the way, the TRP group, those are my people, you know, like I, I love everyone in the TRP group because they believe how I believe, you know, I can share this and they get it. You know, you could talk to other chiropractors and and they just might not understand this term lifetime spinal care. It just doesn't make sense to them. TRP docs get this. And the CEOs understand that, you know, because they've been training with Dr. Franson that compliance is important because we got to, in, in order to get people compliant, we got to create understanders. Right. Um, there, there were several studies that showed if you want to increase compliance, you not only give them home care, but you teach them why they're doing each exercise and how that's going to benefit them. And when you add that education, then it creates understanders and that makes compliance so much better. And, and that's pretty you know, putting it pretty easy, but, um, that's one way. And then retention, we talk about clarity being the key to retention all the time in the remarkable practice. And so, you know, when we're talking about regular chiropractic visits, daily spinal hygiene exercises, it just doesn't get any easier to understand than that. It's like the toothbrush. How hard is a toothbrush to figure out? right? We got to keep it simple. That builds retention. And then ultimately we're building profit for these CEOs. And that's not only on the, on the front end, because when you're adding those kits and those products to their care plans, you literally measure that ROI. uh, But also on the back end, because there's nothing more valuable in a chiropractic office than growing a wellness program. You know, our docs who have, you know, corrective care strategies, there's an initial corrective care program, but then the conversion of that Person from corrective care to wellness care—that's what makes your practice valuable, and that's what grows. And eventually, that wellness program become, is bringing in so much, you know, continual revenue monthly that you're covering your salaries, you're covering your overhead, and every time you start a new patient for corrective care, you're just—that's just bonus. So those are some of the ways we help the CEO.
0: I mean, I love this conversation. I mean, I can talk about this all day with you. I mean, this is really the name of the game. And yeah. you know, I love you know, like you said, the synergy that we have with r- remarkable practice practice model and the docs and and what, you, what you're what you doing. So, I mean, you just kind of laid it out there. You almost answered my, my second question, which is specifically how do you help CEOs and, and owners and the doctors help more people? And you kind of said that, you know, by solving these three things. So I'd, I'd like to unpack yeah. a concept um, that we talk a lot about on our show, which is the concept of leverage. So we talk about that CEOs use leverage. So there's three things that you leverage as a, as a remarkable CEO leverage time, um, excuse me, people training or tech training and technology. So people training and technology. So when you look at these things, you know, and, and systems, you can throw systems into all that, but it's, it's systems are underneath all three of those, but you know, this is really a a leverage opportunity here. So if I say, okay, so I understand lifetime practice. I understand, I understand it as a concept. Okay. But it could also feel like a concept and not like my reality, because maybe we struggle with this area of retention. Maybe we've never built a practice like that, or, you know, it's not a strength for us. So even for that practice and for the practice on the other side that says, hey, we've got good retention, but how do you keep it that way and keep continue to grow? You're saying, hey, you can leverage spinal hygiene to increase the likelihood that number one, people are going to be compliant to your care recommendations. Number two, they're actually going to stick with it. And number three, it creates a greater profit. Number one, case visit average lifetime value of, a, yeah. of, a, of an individual, but also a care plan, an initial care plan increased value, right? So right. you're talking about profit really in two different ways, long-term, but short-term too. So I want you to talk about leverage in the, in the, in the framework of not done by you. Because a lot of times when a doctor says, you want me to implement this new system, it's just going to be more work. So I want you to talk about that. Number two is simple. So one of the things Dr. Steven and I always talk about is awesome and easy. No, nobody wants it to be harder. So how do we use leverage, not done necessarily by you? And number two, how do we keep it simple, which is to me, easy to understand, easy to do. Those yes. two things.
2: So easy to understand, easy to do. Can you talk about that? So thank you so much for bringing up this concept of leverage. And we just came off of the team building immersion, right? And and so one of the massive areas of leverage for you, for your time, for your energy, for your effort is distributing this responsibility of education through your team, right? And what docs are seeing when they're implementing spinal hygiene is that it, there, it actually elevates an, a, a level of confidence in your staff and in even in associate doctors, and even in doctors themselves, when they really understand these concepts that they're sharing with patients and the fact that it's so easy, it's a plug and play system where the kit does most of the educating. But once, once the team gets it, you know, I like to say just, you, you know what I mean, when the light bulb goes off, right? That, that my staff now, understands it and, and is able to explain it because the concepts are so easy. And I'm look, I'm sitting back going, wow, look at that in fact, for example, we had uh, one doctor whose staff member uh, like got so fired up about spinal hygiene she's out doing uh, workshops on her own. On spinal hygiene, getting new patients to come into the office, and she's a CA, right? In fact, I think she's going to chiropractic school pretty soon. So we're we're even turning CAs into chiropractors, which I know is a, a common thing in in the TRP group. Um, and uh, but that leverages your you know even your training or the effort you have to put in to try to help your staff you know get these concepts because we provide all of that number one, and also these concepts are so easy to understand that once your team gets it. In fact, what we recommend is that with your team, so what we do in my office and a lot of other offices do it too, is before each shift, do a couple spinal hygiene exercises with your team. And that way, you know, it, it, the the team is able to say, Hey, I do these, we do these every day before our shift. Are you doing them at home? And they're able to talk to patients and make sure that they're checking in, make sure they're doing their third leg of the stool. Right. Uh, So it's all around leverage, not only in your time, because these are literally plug and play. They don't take any time for your, for you or your team to, you know, really write down all these prescriptions and then track people down, you know, and teach all these efforts, you know, to learn the exercises. They're so simple. Uh, but then number two, you're leveraging your team and your training because your team's going to have more confidence and be able to share lifetime spinal care with your patients as well. Hope that answers. The so question. good. So good. No, I love that. It definitely answers the question. I mean,
0: this is, this is the conversation, you know, that we really need to be having when it comes to, okay, how do you integrate in and leverage a resource such as spinal hygiene, you know, in a practice, you know, right. um, whether you're you know, a high volume cash family practice, or you're going to be more of a niche specialist type practice where, you know, you're a little bit more focused, uh, in that way. And, you know, so regardless of where you're at in the spectrum, you know, as far as volume, which, cause I think a lot of chiropractors think in terms of that, this sure. is about, this is about results, right? So the big sure. thing we talk about on the three legs of the, of the stool for us, we teach that, you know, these are the, these are the three things that you have to do to get the best results. So this is really about driving results. I think that's what I think is really in your heart. When I first heard this from you years ago, it was, it's like, it's about getting results for people. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here, guys? Are we really changing spines? Are we really transforming people's lives? Like, how do we know? How do we measure that? Like, what's yeah. the long
2: tail on this thing? And so can you talk I always about, tell docs? Oh, sorry. Okay, I always, I always tell docs, like, Better retention equals better results. Like on that three-legged stool where the R is in the middle, you could almost substitute results and retention right there because right. the if the if the if the patients are doing those three things, then retention is going to go up. If the patients are doing those three things, they're going to get better results. And uh, I mean, you almost if you don't have retention, you don't even know if you're getting results. And most of the time, you're probably not. You know, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So and uh, like you said. If we really looked under the hood of most businesses and you lift it up and you look at okay, what's our R4 stick? What's our R4 reconversion? What's our R5 stick, R five reconversion, R6 stick, R6 reconversion, what's our netmo? What's our two? What's our patient visit average? What are these things? We really look at it closely. The reality is, is it's it's not where most of us really want it to be. And I think all of you, if you were, if you were we were seeing each other right now, I get a lot of nods and a lot mm-hmm. of hands up in the air, like, yes, 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 exactly. So so how do you so speaking to the CEO doc um about roi right we talk about roi sure. this is a business where right? i'm in mean, business conversations a business podcast yep. you know what should i expect you know as far as the my four unlimited resources as a ceo what kind of time are we looking at to integrate a program like this what kind of energy is required and how does that kind of how does that filter through let's say an accountability chart what kind of focus does this really require from you the team I'm not thinking as much about the patient on this question, because I think you've already established the fact that this is going to really help them specifically. Um, But, and then financially, what are we looking at as far as ROI? Just give us some, uh, give us some insights into this.
2: Sure. As far as time of implementation, I mean, we can simply, you know, purchase a package of 10 to 20 kits, have them shipped to you and start implementing those in new patient care plans, you know, the the day after you get the kits, because they're so easy to, to do. Um, as far as ROI and I'll talk, you know, general in just the, just the whole kit. Cause we actually recommend that you give the patient the whole kit, which is a four core spinal hygiene exercises, but they can be split up. Some docs just use the exercise discs in their practice. You know, they put wobble discs in their seats. Um, some docs are just using spinal molding rolls or just the resistance bands or just one or two of the, of the products. But speaking as far as just giving the whole kit, making it super easy, all of the education is all in there. We recommend recommend that you build that kit into your care plans at a price of a, a retail price of $117. Now some docs do you know as low as $97, some as 290 or $197. You know, and, and you could add anything to that kit you wanted to. So you could really put the price wherever you wanted, but we recommend $117 for the retail price to your patients. And the doc is paying about $50 to $55 per kit, depending on how many you order at a time. So you're making you know 60 to 70% return on your investment just by putting that kit into a care plan. Um, And I mean, literally these products should not cost you a dime. You should make 60% return on your investment. Every time you start a new patient and you put a kit into their Uh, into their program. Now, and then on top of that, which is a little bit harder to measure, but I encourage docs to measure this. um, And if you're in the TRP program, you're already measuring this. And that is the uh, compliance. So the patients that finish their corrective care plans will go up when they start understanding the concepts of daily hygiene and actually, you know, keeping that on the forefront of their, of their mind, life gets so busy. Sometimes they're like, Oh, I forgot my, forgot my visit. Right. But if they're doing something on a daily basis, uh, that's a reminder to take care of their spine. So we're, you know, we're hitting a couple of birds with one stone by increasing, you know, compliance, helping them finish their care plans, and then measure that conversion uh, to your wellness care, because that will go up as well, because people will be understanders They'll, They're like, I understand if I don't take care of the spine, it will decay. I understand that, that um, spinal hygiene is a lifetime thing versus correction, and we talk about this concept, just mentally, the definition of correction means there's an end. I mean, you're not correcting something if you don't correct it, right? right. Or as, as much as possible, just the connotation of correction has an end. Right. The, the connotation of hygiene and wellness does not have an end. So we start them from the beginning with the end in mind, right? With no end right. in mind, with that term con, uh, spinal hygiene. Uh, so to, to go on about that, but the ROI is... Um, financially on the front end. And then also you'll see your practice swell and grow, which is becomes even more of an ROI on the back end because you're growing wellness patients that understand how to take care of their spine and nervous system. And I have so many people who buy kits and ship them to family members or they get their, you know, they tell their family member about it and they've never heard this, you know, going on in another practice. So it's generating some, some new patients in our office too, just teaching these concepts.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, to me it's a signature right I, it's the signature of your business it's one of the things what is it that sets you apart right everybody's looking for what's their usp what's the thing that makes you different unique in your in your town as the chiropractor what's one another one more thing that you can do that sets you apart that takes it to another level again we're not in a competition obviously with you know our other brothers and sisters in the community you know there's not enough chiropractors probably in your community to serve all the people that are there but what are the things that you do to differentiate yourself? What are the things that you're doing to continually make yourself better? Uh, And that's a question we're always asking is what, what are we doing to continue to raise our level of, of, of how we're playing every single year as a practice. And these are the, these are the things that you can do to take it to another level. So Dr. Tabor, thank you again. Uh, It's for just this conversation is just awesome. It's gold. So how do, uh, how do the CEOs connect with you if they want to learn more about Integrating this in, into their practice, uh, what would that look like?
2: Yeah. So uh, you can find our products at spinalhygieneproducts.com. Uh, pretty I- uh, easy process. There's even a, if you want to learn more information, there's an opt in form for a webinar that we do uh, where you can learn more. Or if you want to just reach out to me, uh, Dr. Tabor at spinalhygienist.com, you can email me anytime. And we also have a Facebook group, uh, Spinal Hygiene Doctors Club. So
0: awesome. Well, you guys heard it here. Again, Dr. Tabor, thank you for taking the time to join me on the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Thank you for being a a remarkable success partner, helping our doctors help more people. And I look forward to seeing you again at the next event coming up this year, whenever that's gonna be. Until then, God bless you all and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic.